Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday morning at the very end of November. Yeah. We're going into December. Yeah, how That's was uh, uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Hopefully a lot like everybody else's. Your American it was very quiet. <laughs> yeah, it was very quiet, very small. Just the people that already live in my home. Um, we didn't really do anything, but it was kind of nice for gamers like me to be able to go do dinner and then come back to gaming mm-hmm. <laughs> Thursday and Friday and stuff. So it was pretty fun. So Yeah, uh, we, we decided to set the table and make it look real nice, mm-hmm. even though it was just... Uh, the the four people in my house me and my wife and my mother-in-law my baby um but it was kind of fun to like dress up the table and, and all this other stuff although my wife was like well are you gonna go get the china and i'm like no not not for us i'm not doing that because <laughs> that's <Don't> need it. <laughs> a huge hassle and then we have to like hand uh, no and so i was just like i don't want to do that um but it was fun it was really nice and uh we kind of just lounged around uh we ended up putting on the pirates of the caribbean movies just yeah. like, I, you ever get in those situations where you're like, I don't know what to watch, and you want something familiar that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to if you don't want to, and that's what mm-hmm. happened. And we ended up watching um, four of them. Like, it just kept playing, and periodically yeah. I'd leave and do something, and then I'd come back and be like, oh, yeah, this part. And So we had those on. <laughs> it was fun. But Yeah, yeah we watched uh, Mandalorian. We rented New Mutants, which um, was one of those movies that – didn't get released in the theater, so they yeah. kind of put it out there. Well, there, that's um, so an interesting that. one because that was supposed to be released in, or they finished filming in 2017, right? And they were like, "Okay, we have a release date," and then they pulled it, and they were just yeah. like, "No, no, we'll release it 2018, 2019," and then they finally yeah. released it in 2020. All always saying, "I'm a big X Men fan," and so I mm-hmm. was really excited for this movie. That's why I followed it. But they, they were always saying, "Like, oh, we're." we're doing reshoots and we're doing this and we're doing that. Um, and they never got the reshoots done. Uh, and I want to say because of COVID, but no, because they had all of 2018 and 2019 to take care of yeah. this. Um, and then the, the Disney Fox merger happened or acquisition, yeah. I could, should say. And mm-hmm. uh, so then it was like, uh, well, we'll just, we'll just throw it out there. So they, they got it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up watching it too, uh, a couple days ago and yeah, eh, it was, it's a sad end to an X-Men franchise that had its yeah. ups and downs, but I liked the girl that played Magic, and apparently she... Magic is one of my favorite X-Men, and apparently yeah. she is Ileana. in The Queen's Gambit, and she's quite good she in that, is. and she's actually really good in this, too. So Yeah, yeah. my wife was like, because they had just finished Queen's Gambit, mm-hmm. and so we turned that on last night, and she's like, there's that character that they've been watching for the last week now because they've been powering through yeah. Queen's Gambit. And they actually was a powerhouse of actors. I mean... You had the kid from Stranger Things. You had Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. Yeah, you had Ili- you know, Ileana. You had, and even the two, um, the other boy, I feel like he was from some other stuff. The uh, the guy who plays Sunspot. Yeah. Though we don't really learn that. We don't learn their superhero names in the whole movie, which is interesting. But, uh, you know, it was a, it felt like it was a good movie origin story wise. If you haven't, you don't know anything about new mutants, but for fans of new mutants, I feel like you probably wanted 
more stuff to happen. Like you, you want new mutants to be new mutants. So I, I don't know. That yeah. And, and I mean, we're not a movie podcast, so we should probably not yeah. get into two depths about this, but like there, there were a we lot of problems. And from what I heard, uh, the, the director wrote the script and directed it. And, mm-hmm. um, that is always like an all or nothing for me. Like you get a Quentin Tarantino and he's like, I know exactly I'm writing exactly what I want to film and I know how to film it. Or you get these people that are kind of like, yeah, I'm a creative genius. And it's like, you're really not. You're a Kanye West. <laughs> you're, you're not you're not there to do that. So uh, I don't know. I heard there were a lot of executives that were were hand, hands in in the in the process because they wanted something specific out of it. And that's always yeah. bad, too, because. It, it did feel to me that he had an idea and probably I, I would like to see what his original idea was. But when you have all these people that are like, okay, well now you have to do this and you have to do this and he's doing rewrites, but it doesn't really make sense. And I, that's how I felt about that whole movie. But, yeah. but I digress. You know, it also just, yeah, we'll get, I'll let you have one more, one, spot, more second, one more spot. One more, one more Go ahead. It felt like a great start to like a Netflix series. Yeah. That could have been like cool. that and it was shot kind of like, like that too. It was really yeah, like single like, room kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be like the first two episodes. And now, you know, episodes three through eight are gonna be like, okay, what's gonna happen next? I think you'd be really into that. But as a movie, I felt like there just wasn't you got introduced, but they didn't go anywhere yet. Yeah. You know? So yeah. maybe maybe they'll do something with it. So it was but it was interesting. So we watched that, and I don't think we did too much else. Did a lot of gaming with just friends that also didn't have family obligations you know that was the thing that covid kind of did this year for us celebrating holidays and for even if you're in a different country mm-hmm. and you go to celebrate a different holiday upcoming in your country where maybe you used to go and you drive two hours to get to a family mm-hmm. place and you do all this family stuff and you work all these schedules between moms and dads and different families and all this stuff right now everybody's a lot of people or most people are like, well, we're just going to stay home and not do all that thing. So you're freed up a little bit for yeah. gaming, which I really like. So it was interesting to have, you know, just a fun, um, fun gaming thing and not worry about going to moms and then dads and then uncles and aunts thing. Mm. And then this over here. So it was yeah. pretty good. Um, so people in chat were asking about the Saturday morning D and D mugs. And yes, uh, these are on my Teespring store. So if you're interested, you yeah. should go as well as the shirt, actually, <laughs> I didn't plan that, but, uh, yeah, if you want a Saturday morning D and D show mug, uh, you can hop over there and the, they're, they're, a uh, print on demand kind of thing. And I, 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 my mug is from there and it's been really good and it's machine washable and all that other stuff. So you can check that out. Uh, yeah, as far as gaming, we did. I mean, I think I blame I blame my child. He just takes up so much time. And I was telling oh Lucian because Lucian heard him like whining earlier that we're trying <laughs> to get him to drink less bottles and eat more real food. And he is he's just been a peach the last couple days because he's like, but no, like I drink a bottle now. And we're like, well, you're gonna eat a strawberry. I mean, he's not about it. <laughs> so well, well, that transition is fun. Um, but yeah, I, I've been reading and I'll get into this a little bit later with the Bardic Inspiration, but, um, I found a, I found a system called, uh, Open D6 and, mm. uh, it was a D6 dice system that is kind of like, um, the White Wolf D10 system, but, uh, I, that's the closest thing that I can equate it to. Um, but you use D6s instead and the more the better you are at an ability, the more D6s you get. So you get a bigger dice pool to then roll 
and do cool things. And I'm really about, I'm really interested in making like an RPG hack right now. And I was thinking about fourth edition a lot for the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if I could just use the idea of like a combat simulator that fourth edition kind of was. And then anyway, so, and then, in, but make my own version of it kind of a thing. And unfortunately fourth edition is not part of the open game license, but this open D six yeah. is. So I was playing around with that. Um, and so as far as gaming is me with a uh, pencil and paper writing down numbers and like, okay, what's the average of this? And, and is that enough? Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of fun to, to play around with it. So that's really the only gaming that I've done so far <laughs> is hy- <laughs> hypothetical dice rolling in my head. But. Yeah, there's a lot of game designers that have kind of moved to DD- 2D6 plus stat. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they've really worked hard on the maths and the averages to figure out how things are going to you know, get away from the swingy D20 of Dungeons and Dragons and get a little bit more consistent of a of a random range. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like so many people have moved to that, but like an open D6 sounds very interesting too. Yeah, and I guess back in the day they made a bunch of, like there was Adventure D6 and Fantasy D6 and Mutant mm-hmm. D6 and Superhero D6. <laughs> like they, they used this system for literally everything. And then the final version was called Open D6 and they handed the rules to everybody and said, mm-hmm. this is the, you know, the base structure of the game. You can change it however you want. So, you know, that could be a fireball or that could be a, a hacking stat or that could, you know, anything you want to do. And it's really cool. And I, I've never played it, but like I've played enough RPGs that I kind of get a feel for it when I go through. But I, I should probably play at least one game of this D6 system before I truly tear it apart and rebuild it it into whatever the thing I'm trying to build right now. So, but yeah. Um, man, what's going on in the world of D and D we got some, I mean, it seems pretty slowish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tasha's is out. So that's everybody's still devouring it and still using it. Um, we didn't see, or I haven't seen anything link about what we might get for our next book. If we're going to get, I think this is probably, if we're about to hit December 1st, I can't imagine they're putting another book out this year. So oh, absolutely should not, be no. the end of yeah. 2020. What, maybe and like what, March or April? We'll get, either see something or get an announcement. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. 2021 book, the first book. And this past year, we got an early-ish um, Magic the Gathering book, I think mm-hmm. was one of the first ones out. So I think so, you know, so we had some adventuring books early in the year and then we have a rule book at the end of the year. So that's kind of interesting, you know, to see if there's any patterns there, if they're doing anything there. And we know that they work on their books, you know, years out. So whatever plan they've had is like the set in stone-ish mm-hmm. two-year plan of book releases that they've already talked about and worked on and are happening. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see if they're... I think this year's got pushed because of COVID. So I wonder if we get earlier stuff now with them, everybody acclimating to how COVID's changed schedules of stuff and like live event. Will we get some live event again, another online live event announcement in January or February. Will we get, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So, but it's been slow D and D wise. I think they're taking their vacations. They're, winding stuff down um i think that's what we're going to see a lot of dd beyond did a few videos they're still pumping out stuff because tosh is out and that's you know if you're going to do a subclass book dd beyond is going to be all about that so yeah 
you can learn a little bit more about Psy Warrior and Beast Barbarian and Wild Magic Barbarian and the Blade Singer stuff, which is really one of the good changes out there. But how about the Barbarians? I don't think we talked about those last week. Do any of those barbarians kind of reach out to you? Beast Barbarian, Wild Magic Barbarian? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't like the Wild Magic Barbarian. Uh, Most I, people I, said that that I've talked to. Really? Yeah. On paper, uh, well, I should say uh, the the idea of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to be an Aladrin Feywild born barbarian. Mm-hmm. Like, what would that look like? That's kind of a cool idea, and I like I like that idea. But then what they actually the mechanics they gave, I was like, no. I'm just not, yeah, yeah. I'm just not feeling that. I, <laughs> yeah. if I were to redo it, I would want something where you have like a, a magical rage mechanic or something. Like maybe you rage based on your intelligence, and it does, I don't know. Like, on a hit, you roll like while you're raging when you hit something. I don't know. Roll a a d4, and they're either like blind for a round or. Uh, I don't know, like a flash of light or something, but but the way it's done now is very, it's it's not controllable. And then mm-hmm. I, the later, which is fine because I hey a wild magic sorcerer isn't controllable. That's fine, but like there's nothing about barbarians or the Feywild that is chaos and out of control, and I don't understand. You know, like I would mm-hmm. I would associate that more with uh, I don't know, like the abyss or like. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I can only think of Wild Magic Sorcerer right now, but, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily Feywild. That's just, you've got powers for some reason. You don't know why. So yeah. I don't know. And then later yeah, on, I'm, isn't the abilities are really just to like control the randomness so it's less random? And that just is like, right. okay, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's one of those classes that may have missed, it may have not quite hit the mark they were going yeah. for. Or it didn't match up to what you think of in your head when you hear that, like Wild Magic Barbarian, all kinds of things. You start to think, oh, yeah, there could be some cool directions we could go with that. But then you look at the actual play of it and you're like, oh, none of that fits what's in my head. Yeah. <laughs> like None of that is is anything of what I was thinking about. So I think that sometimes you have that, you know, you have the the, the concept of design versus the actual rules as designed or the mechanics behind to try to drive that. And they don't mm. quite mesh. But, no, um, and, and honestly, we were talking to last week, I think, about the um, the Genie Warlock, because we were talking about our mm-hmm. favorite things that came out of it. And uh, I was so amped for this Genie Warlock. And, and then when I actually sat down and built a couple, I can't quite get what I thought it was going to do. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think I truly understood what I wanted it to do. I just liked the flavor of it. Like, yeah, a Warlock gets powers from Genies. But the more I would play it, the more, or the more I would, like, build it and look at it, I'm like... Well, it's just another warlock. There's not, like, where's mm-hmm. that intrinsic genie thing that I want? And yes, you have wish, and you have a form of limited wish, and you have a, uh, you know, like a bottle or an urn or a ring or a lamp that you can hide in. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just, I, I just feel I'm like, where is that? Like, I, I wish I could have actually. Now that I think about it, it would have been cool to be able to trap a creature in that urn or lamp for, I don't know, an hour for every modifier you have to your charisma or something. So mm-hmm. like, if they fail a saving throw, it's like, okay, well they're gonna break out at some point, but we can be more ready for them or something, I don't know. Or or right. you need to like smuggle somebody out. You have to like, you know. Yeah, you'd be great at prison breaks. Yeah, yeah. it'd be kind of cool, <laughs> but you can't do it to enemies and stuff, so I don't know. Yeah. But 
uh, I've been po yeah, I'm actually working on a video for Wednesday about the uh, Shair and the Warlock Genie and kind of what what uh, uh, inspired it. And that video has helped me a lot to just kind of understand like, what did I actually want out of this? Like, I don't think I really under, I don't know. But sometimes they just don't work out how you think mechanically that the, the idea in your head, you know? But like the Psy Warrior, very cool. And actually yeah. a lot of that is kind of what I would I would anticipate a Psy Warrior. Very X-Men. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm stopping things with thy mind and I'm, you know, jumping yeah. high and I'm doing all this other stuff. So it's kind of yeah. like, oh, that's cool. Psy Blades, yeah. come on, Psylocke. <laughs> exactly the uh the yep. soul knife rogue that was yeah yep. so there's actually i'm gonna jump ahead jump ahead and we'll go back yeah. but there's actually um i was i was looking online to see like well what's the new i don't know because everyone's building different combos and stuff and there's the metagamers mm -hmm. out there and there's a cleric a tempest cleric and a scribe wizard combo and mm -hmm. so and i guess i mean the tempest cleric is that new to tasha's i don't remember i don't think so no tempest was in yeah. the player's handbook yeah so uh, the Tempest Cleric, you can use your channel divinity, which is called Destructive Wrath, uh, mm -hmm. to deal max damage if you use Lightning and Thunder. And Order of the Scribe lets you change spell damage from one type to another if you have certain spells of similar type. Uh, so long story short, you can take Tempest Cleric 2 and the rest in Order of the Scribe Wizard and then at like level seven, you can do a fireball, but you can change it to lightning and activate this ability. Uh, and then all of a sudden it does 48 points of damage, just max damage, boom. And then level 12, you can do 100 damage, max damage disintegrate spell. And there's no rolling. And I, and I don't think this is uh, overpowered, but it is definitely something that that <laughs> people will play around with. And I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting. So I wanted to bring it up that, yeah, there's the... There's people are, are going to slowly figure this out. Um, mm -hmm. And it's weird treating D&D &D like a, uh, I guess I, I think of um, Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or yeah, like, game. and then you think about like, well, what's the new Builds. meta? Because yeah. everybody's very competitive and it's like this new card gets released and all of a sudden I have to use that card to apply poison to this and do that. Mm -hmm. And you do this combo that wins all the time. But D&D &D isn't like that. Like we're not competing mm -hmm. against each other. So why do we still do that? Is it just weird gamer human nature to be like, I have yeah, to find out what's the most, you know? As powerful as possible. Yeah, like And I Diablo love those started. videos too, where you're like, how do I make the fastest character? Like, yeah. how do I make the guy that can run the fastest? I want to build the flash in D&D. Like those are fun videos, but mm -hmm. they crack me up because I'm like, but I mean, would you really take seven different subclasses so that you could actually just move 110 feet every round like that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, but hypothetically. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we just started, Diablo 3 did its, uh, it, they run seasons. Yeah. And then they changed something about the seasons. And so then, like you said, the meta changes. So then when the meta changes, then everybody goes back and they build builds that are set for, okay, in season 22, this can be a really good build that lets you push through this stuff. And that made me think exactly what you were talking about, this idea of you're combining things together with this new quirk in the season. Mm -hmm. You get one more spot for a, a, a weapon bonus that you didn't have in season 21. You have it in 22. So uh -huh. now your builds go back and you're like, oh, I'm doing spirit barrage, witch doctor with this, this, and this. And you know, you're, you're moving stuff around. I think there's just intrinsically, we all love that idea of, powering up synergy in a way yeah 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 what is and the I, I love synergy too get? where you're kind of like yeah so 
I mean, I can cast Shocking Grasp, <laughs> but if I apply this thing, I can cast Shocking Grasp from a distance. And then if he can't like take an opportunity attack, I can, you know, and you all of a sudden it's like, yeah, when the yeah. cards align, unfortunately <laughs> for Jordan, when I do those kind of synergies, I get really excited and then I end up doing it like once and you're like, oh, well, I did it, but that's not nearly as cool or helpful right. as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Case yeah. in point, I my War, Warforged Eldritch Knight, I did a lot of stuff with him because I wanted him to be able to manipulate the battlefield. And then by mm -hmm. the end of the day, I was just like, can I can I replace these spells? They just they're not doing what I want them to do. Like, yeah, can I go back to clean? Yeah, that's so, <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. So it I, I like the idea that there's a lot of and with all the new feats and all the new spells and all the new backgrounds and changing your stat ability scores and combining stuff with Tasha's and combining stuff with um, Xanathar's guide. There are some really crazy combos you could come up with. We have a player in ours who's already thinking about his third class he's going to multi-class into. And I haven't seen that happen yet in any of our games. It, it was only because this book come out, Tasha's came out, that it's actually pushed the group into a lot more multi-classing than I've seen before. Yeah. And past just two even. I met two, and that's I've never played. Um, and I, I've theory-crafted tons of, of multi-class characters but i haven't played any of those mm -hmm. in an actual campaign playing a game until now until just you know when i went uh level one cleric added in <laughs> to my to my class but uh i feel like a lot of people are leaning into it and i think that's a sign of we're towards the end of fifth right i think this is the point we look back on where we say this is the beginning as they start to wrap up, wind down, figure out what they're going to do. They there's still more books coming. There's still plenty. I'm not like not like next month. I mean like you could still have a whole another year, but you'll be able to look back and say it was right at this time when Tasha's came out that because there's so many options, because there's so many things you can do, it's almost like I bet they start to move on here pretty soon because it's going to get really unwieldy and really hard to just kind of keep keep balanced if they if they added another subclass book next year i mean what is that going to look like now for subclasses and classes or could, what if they added a whole nother class next year at this point you know so there's yeah it's, it's no and that's why i think they're going to start diving into things like uh, they kind of already have but like the psionics and mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna have things like okay we're gonna i don't know i don't know if you can make a whole book about this but i think they're gonna there's gonna be a book that's like here's a ranger, but you're actually going to be a psionic ranger in the city or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, okay. And so mm -hmm. um, your abilities are 90% the same, except we've reflavored these two things. And here's one new thing. And then right. I don't know. So, but like the same time, you know, I, I, I want, so the success of fifth edition, I feel hinges on the failure of fourth edition. Like there was enough time in between the people that played 3.5 mm -hmm. when, and then when fourth edition came out, they were like, I don't really like this. I'm going to keep playing my game. Oh, Pathfinder's kind of like my game. I'm going to play that and da da da. And then now that the fifth edition, they're like, oh, actually this is pretty cool. I'll go back to D and D or I'll go all up, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and then they're also not making new stuff for 3.5. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I I feel that 
if we get a sixth edition, it'll be kind of be like what Pathfinder did, where like here's some minor tweaks, but all of the old Pathfinder stuff is still relevant for the new Pathfinder stuff. Because uh, honestly, that's that's just smarter. And then they can still sell older books. They can still sell, you know, the player's handbook and things like that. Uh, but I wonder if we'll have like a an original D and D and then a advanced D D in a way, you know, right. <laughs> or do we already or, have that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or from marketing, they'll do the thing that, you know, sometimes Apple does sometimes Intel does sometimes these other games have done it. I think they've even done it. This idea that, okay, we want to get out of having sixth edition, seventh edition, eighth edition. We don't want to have a number attached to it anymore. So we're just going to go to D and D next, or, you know, yeah. like it's going to be something, you know, and they always, try it for a year or they try it to say there's no more additions it's just everything is D D. it's always D D. it'll always be D D. there's yeah. never going to be other stuff it's just you're adding are, all this new yeah. stuff in they are and different and i think people it. will because people yeah. they wanted to call D fifth edition D D next yeah. and they tried really hard and everyone's like <laughs> well no it's fifth edition and so right. the the people will ultimately name that so yeah but we've seen it like in, you know, in, in Windows when they tried to do that, when they went from, you know, 95, 98, yeah. 2000, and they're like, no, we don't want to do that no more. Now we're in, you know, Windows, whatever, Windows NT, Windows 2020, Windows, whatever. Uh, so they're the, always the trying to The love of Windows it. Millennium Edition. So good. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> this, um, yeah. So this we were, this is something I wanted to talk about. And it's the title of the episode, but just like, will we get a sixth edition and kind of, where do we go from here? Because you're right, this is a yeah. big book. Like Tasha's does a lot of stuff. And mm -hmm. how many more subclasses can you do? And are we getting to the point where every subclass is just going to, or every class is going to get a sub that allows it to do something that another class can do? So like the monk can heal now. So we don't, right. you know, and, and we kind of saw this with the warlock. Oh, let's make a celestial warlock and they can heal. Rod of seven mm -hmm. parts, we have a celestial warlock. She's the main healer. <laughs> And mm -hmm. it's working. Like, I've given them a few health potions here and there, but for the most part, they're able to, like, keep people alive. Um, and I don't know. Like, are you going to get the the healing wizard? Are you going to get the... We kind of already have things like the stealth wizard, or uh, I always think of the College of Shadows bard, where I'm like, that mm -hmm. is the most roguiest bard I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, you You're use your rogue. bardic inspiration <laughs> to do extra psychic damage on a hit, that's that's called a sneak attack. Like that's all that is. <laughs> so, and it scales up with level and it does all this other stuff. And I was like, okay. So, um, but don't get me wrong. Like I'm not super interested in playing a rogue, but boy, I was really drawn to that college of shadows bard. So mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. How are we, are we going to kind of, I don't know, like, do they do that? So everybody can really find the niche that they want to play, you know, like going back to wild, the, uh, uh, I was I almost said wild sorcerer barbarian because that's what I think of it but the wild magic barbarian um I oh, what you if know, you combine the two you multi-class that there you go oh <laughs> now now we have a game sir now we have a game um but no if if you have the player who's like I've never really been interested in uh barbarians but boy I like I like the randomness of this I like the swinginess of it I like that I can still do magic in a way Mm -hmm. as a barbarian and, and be like a tank or something. So uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's interesting. So I do feel like it's, it's a step in when you've decided your community really likes and wants and is willing to pay for 
customization. Yeah. But you've built a game based on class, which are silos in the beginning, right? Wiz uh, wizard does wizard things. Clerics does cleric things. Fighter does fighter things. Thief does thief things, right? Mm -hmm. But as you keep going you and you keep thinking in your mind, it sounds really good. Hey, I want to give them more options. I want them to do more stuff. You've actually are breaking what you built in the first place, which was classes, which siloed people into very specific things. Now you're getting to, well, no, anybody can do the thief. Right. Thing. Anybody can pick the locks. Anybody can cast the spells. Anybody can, can heal or fight with a sword and armor and whatever. So yeah, I wonder at one point where, why start so narrow and then build your game to be much more open and open. Why didn't you just start open in the first place? Why didn't you just leave it yeah. really kind of modular and customizable? And I wonder if they'll learn that lesson at one point, because I think class, when you talk about game design, I've listened to some other, I've read papers, I've listened to people talking about on YouTube, you know, game designers mm. on YouTube, talking about when they decide how they're going to do a classless based game or a, ba a game based with a class. Right. And it always comes down to introducing new players into the systems. It's easier if you can find their amount of choices that they can't make bad choices. That's what class system really helps yeah. people do. So they it gets them into the fun quicker and it helps for the new people. But we're all savvy now. We're not, we're not like people come into games anymore and it's really the only game we've played. You're talking about the generations that we have right now have been playing games since they were seven. Right. And they, they understand classes. They understand customizing their characters. They understand power leveling and power gaming at this mm. point. You know, they grew up in it. Um, I wonder if at one point that, because that's what I would want D&D next, D&D 6th edition to be, is a modular based, classless based system. You have all these pieces and you put it together to build what you want. Right. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but like that's exactly what I'm trying to do with my yeah. <laughs> uh, open D6 system. Um, is uh, and I was actually I originally it was called like the modular RPG, and then I changed it to the modular D6 because I, I like that idea of like you know putting it on there. But uh, but no, like here's here's 20 points, and here's all of these little Tetris blocks. And if you can take them and fit them in there, that's cool. And so then you start to think to yourself, well, I want to be like, I want to be a traditional necromancer. And you're like, okay, you take necrotic magic, you take spell casting, and you take pets. And then mm -hmm. with those three, you clump them together, and then the mechanics allow you to, you have a necrotic pet. And then you get to say, <laughs> yeah, that's a skeleton, or that's a zombie. Like, you get to make that mm -hmm. choice. Um, not like, oh, we flip through the pages and my monster is, you know, and actually a, a great example is uh, Tasha's has all of those different spirits that you can summon now. Yeah. And, and in my mind, I'm like, it would be so much, so simpler if you just said, there's one spell that summons a spirit, but like depending on who's casting it or what energy they're putting into it, it changes to an elemental spirit. And then it has a fire ability and it does this, or it changes to a necrotic spirit and it's a zombie and it does this. Uh, but that's not how fifth edition works. You know, like you, right, right. And, and the players of fifth edition want that. So so it's funny that you bring that up because that's that was my original idea. And that's kind of what I've been doing over my Thanksgiving break is playing around with this. Like, I just want to be able to build, like if I want to build a paladin, what do I need? Well, I think yeah. I need armor and I need this, mm -hmm. but I don't want armor, so I'm gonna do fist fighting 
and I'm dodge and healing. Well, now I've made my weird healing monk, but that's fine. Right, right. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. So you can build. So classless base system, uh, modular, about being modular, about being customizable. That's what people want. They want pieces that can fit together and they can do stuff with. That works well if you're going to build online character builders. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that, that kind of stuff works really well. That's why I think the, the World of Warcraft, the Diablos have those skill trees. So you have this, you know, this nice wide open kind of thing, but it's still a class, right? And I, I've seen some variants out there where they rip that out and you can play like World of Warcraft. There's a, a mod crew that went out there and they took out the classes and they just left a list of all the abilities from those classes. And as you level up, you pick an ability from the list. It okay. could be from anything. And then you just play the game that way. And they, it's a very different way to play World of Warcraft. And I thought it was a very interesting thing to do. I also thought um, they had one for City of Heroes was very similar. Any of the powers you wanted, you could just put them on your character. It didn't matter class-based wise or whatever. Um, So I'm waiting to see the role-playing game do it because I feel like, if I remember correctly, we get classes in the 70s and 80s, and then people want to differentiate themselves from Dungeons & Dragons, and they start building in the 90s a bunch of very class less based systems for role-playing, but then those go away and they go out of favor again. The the hobby kind of dies down a little bit and then it starts ramping back up and we're back to classes and D and D again is, is what everybody's first introduction is. There's like Mm -hmm. that. So we're there. And I wonder if we're in that spot again now where we're going to go, okay, all these people that want to build games, they don't want to build D and D anymore. They don't want to build their five classes, name them something different and call it, you know, pathfinder or whatever they want you know they want to do something different how do i go different well i go super you know i I go really out there so it's interesting i'm interested to see i don't know if we're still they're making tons of money off of these books they're making tons of money because the popularity still seems pretty high i don't know if 2020 might have been the peak what do you think because i feel like in 18 19 17 18 19 we were skyrocketing in popularity, skyrocketing in the number of people I was running into saying they played D&D or they'd see a yeah. shirt I was wearing and be like, oh, D&D, you're, you're playing that? Well, that's when Critical Role blew up, you know? And, yeah, and yeah. I think but that helped hit 2020. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder if well, we're, we're getting there or are we still rising? Are we still on this, I think, on uh, this it's, astronomic peak here? It's a lot easier for your friend to be like, hey, come over and let's play D&D. Or you go to the game mm-hmm. store and you sit down and play D&D. And although there are lots of online options, if I didn't know somebody and I'm because it's like, okay, I want to play D and guess I'll go to this website and try to find a group. Like I would never find internet strangers to play D and D with. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wonder if COVID's uh, causing, causing that problem. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, and that's what I wondered. It, yeah. It's obviously because of this change in the world. Yeah. We're all a little bit more homebody. We're all a little bit, we're, we're getting rid of, of extraneous leaving our homes for the most part. Like, a lot of times you might go every single day. If you look back a year from now, you ran errands two or three times a day, every single day to do stuff. If you look at your past week, just this past week, I, th- I think I left the house one time, right? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. So it's definitely different. I'm sure that's impacting gaming in some way, Yeah. Um, but we're all moving online. So it's, it's weird. It's, it's interesting to see. I always like to see if I like to look back on trends and try to pick where the turning point where things were for like for 3.5, obviously when third edition, when they start doing the 0.5 stuff, that's the turning point of 3.5, right? It's, it's, 
it's starting its arc. It's it's getting its final portion of the game, and then it's going to be done. And they start thinking about fourth edition. There's a point in there, a certain book you could probably point to if we dived into it and say, "This was it. This was the. This is when it started and mm-hmm. ended here. And now we get fourth, and it went from here and it ended here. You know. And yeah. Well, I wonder if where we're at. I don't know. And and uh, just the timeline though. So D and D five E came out in 2014. So it's going to be the 10 year anniversary of fifth edition in 2024. And that 2024, it will also be the 50th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons as a whole, starting in 1974. Um, and you got to know, like D and like Wizards of the Coast has to do something for that. Because the fact that it's 10 years of fifth edition, which has been their most successful uh, RPG product, mm-hmm. and 50 years of D&D as a whole, uh, there's something big there. And so I don't know if that's when we're going to see a new thing. And we've kind of talked about this too, where a lot of RPGs seem to have about eight to 10 years. Yeah. Um, and then it's just like, you know, we release stuff on a steady scale and adventures, but boy, we just, we, we oversaturated and now there's too many mm-hmm. options and players are kind of spooked. And I don't know, but, and maybe that won't be the case, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're going to get, I don't know. They're going to release there. It's going to be big. Like 2024, yeah. we're going to see a, a lot of stuff. So, or even the idea that eight years ago, you had a certain set of design skills. You are eight years later in the process and you're looking back at what you did eight years ago, thinking, why in the world did we do that? Why didn't we do yeah. that better? We're doing things better now. And I think that's also part of the catalyst for a company to look back and say, okay, we need a shutoff point because we're such good or different designers now. We're doing things differently now. We need a fresh start to say, here's, look, all these design skills we have and have mm. learned to really push the stuff to the next level. We need to move to that next one too. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think Pathfinder growing in popularity would be one thing that would could push it. Um, I think the timeline that you're talking about, 10 years of D&D 5e, 50th year anniversary, that all you don't get all, you know, the planets to align like the very often. So it makes sense if you take advantage of that when it does happen and you, you kind of grab onto the, the nostalgia of that mm-hmm. and the idea of being able to market 10th year anniversary, 50 years of Dungeons and Dragons, 50th year anniversary, all that kind yeah. of stuff all at one time sounds really cool. So I'm excited. We got 2021. Who knew? We, none of us even knew if we were going to make it to 2021. <laughs> so hopefully we got one more month to go. Not everybody knock on wood. That you uh, make well, it yeah, hopefully I've got another, I don't know. I'm hoping <laughs> for another 50 in years in me. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll jump over to Bardic Inspiration, which is yeah. uh, Lucian's favorite part of the show. Yeah. Bardic Inspiration. <laughs> Ding. Like, I don't know. Yep. So uh, thank you again, our wonderful uh, soundbite by, uh, well, partially by me because I might, oh, it's using just my voice. Uh, but no. Uh, and Mr. Mister Lucian, what was what were you bardically inspired about? I was thinking about the idea of Dungeon Masters of old, um, early 70s. Ah. Uh, maybe, maybe 75, 76, 77. The, the game is new, it's on shelves, it's in pamphlet form, it's not even made it to like a box set yet at that point. Um, dungeon Masters are building dungeons, but a lot of those players, we all know, if you know the story, come from war gaming, right? That's the, the consensus that 
there's this wargaming scene going on. And out of that, those players and those groups, we start to move into the RPG scene. It starts the you know, D&D yeah, and all these other Yeah, because they're like, we could reenact this, this actual war. Yeah. Right. But like, what if we reenact this actual war with dragons? Right. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of Lord of the Rings from. and fantasy books are popping up and doing really well. And, and I think that's driving a lot of that. Like when you look at Appendix N and all that kind of stuff, you know, you can see the type of stuff they're consuming, the type of games they're playing, and they're ready for something new at that time. So what was interesting to me is that I feel like those Dungeon Masters back in that day, the wargaming style Dungeon Master, was a Dungeon Master who was really a history buff also. I mean, if you're going to go through painting uniforms on miniatures and reenacting battles, wargaming was about, at first, reenacting historical battles using, you know, whatever they could find for the unit lists and say, what if, you know, the 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 pikemen of Macedonia had to fight the, you know, the, the horse-mounted hussars of whatever, you know, and they were like, they, they really wanted to be able to play that out and see what was going on. So they were big history buffs, and usually they might have been more well-read on history and historical events, and they were interested in that kind of stuff. It was something that they would do as, as fun. Now, flash forward to 2020, and you have Dungeon Masters, and I think we we build games based off pop culture media or books that we've read or these ideas that pop in our mind. Like, our, go back and look at all of our bardic inspirations, all these crazy fantasy well, cool ideas. Sir, the the Mandalorian is history, okay? <laughs> it go. happened a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Far, far away. That is Those <laughs> are actual battles. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I think that's true. Um, but we probably don't have, I mean, you wouldn't get it from me and Jordan, um, the history buff where me and you studied the batter the battle of waterloo how it happened what led up to it what was the political considerations going on and then what units were involved right but i wonder if we could go back to that or something similar not necessarily about the war or the battle but like taking a historical event molding it into your campaign change the names change the places and continent stuff but let's say we we took um the battle of troy right the, the whole storyline behind there's a city of Troy and there's a, a, a beautiful woman who is the daughter of the leader of the city of Troy. And another leader wants to come and take that person and make them their bride. And that's kind of like the storyline, but you, you dive in deep, you go into the <laughs> true history of it. Like, you know, everything about it. Mm -hmm. Now you bring it into your campaign by changing names and changing things. And the idea is to wait to see how long before your players realize, wait a minute, are we playing Troy? Is that what's going on? Or, <laughs> or you're like, wait a minute, is this, is this world war one? Is this what's happening? You're like, you've, you understand the history event that you chose so well that you're able to portray it in the game and then see how the players react to it as it's happening around them. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically picking a historical event that you're interested in, maybe you're super interested in the, the, the crash of the Hindenburg or the very first flight of the Wright brothers or, or the putting the first man on the moon or um, maybe the, the discovery of America or, you know, anything you want to pick, like the, the, the Mongol raids across China or whatever cool thing that you're just like, I'm into this. I've done a lot of research about it. I know a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to put it in my Dungeons and Dragons game and let my players experience that and see if they pick up on it, see if they fall into the same tropes, see if they make some of the same good or bad decisions that the historical people 
made good or bad, right? You know, how did they react? How did they do the things and see and, and just kind of see where it plays out. Um, so taking some, so you have something to build from like a true historical event to build from the, the burning of London, like the, you know, the, the, uh, what's their big holiday, the one where they talk about the, they blow up London. Um, the gunpowder thing. Where yeah. Gun, remember, the remember Guy the Fox, 5th of November? Guy Fox Day or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not from there, so I apologize if I don't know that history. But that, like, somebody could pick that and say, okay, I'm going to put that in my campaign in such a way, and Waterdeep, and I'm going to play it out and portray it out until somebody figures this out, that that's what I'm doing. So I just thought that was kind of a, a fun thing. And, and so I wanted to put it out there, and I want to see for our community what cool historical event would they choose that they're interested in, they know a lot about, and they would love to put their players in the middle of and see what happens. The Boston Tea Party, you know, put it put us well, right in the middle of. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of Call of Cthulhu games, oh, okay. where you do that, but you do a different spin on it. So, like, we have yeah. the Boston Tea Party, but as the tea soaks down these weird alien creatures come up or something like that. Or like, we're going to fly to the moon, but when we actually go around to the dark side of the moon, there's, there's a base, base of, of like Nazis there. Yeah. And you have to yeah, take yeah, them yeah. out. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. Like I like that idea a lot. And, but those, uh, those alternate histories where you're just kind of like, we're going to mm -hmm. do this, but put a little bit of a spin on it. And I don't think that's exactly what you were talking about, but that's what inspired right. me. So right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, is there, is there a historical event that you've looked up and read about that just interested you? Didn't have anything yeah. to do with gaming or whatever. It was just something that you were super interested in and you read about it. You're yeah. like, oh, I wonder wonder what's going on. I like I read a book about, I think some paleontologists read, uh, wrote about the Native Americans that lived in the Michigan area, you know, back before there was any, um, any idea of colonization or any idea that anybody had come over from Europe at that point. And they were trying to, piece together what life might like be like for the great lakes region of the natives that lived here, the native Americans that have lived here. And it was an interesting thing because they wrote it as a fictional story, mm -hmm. but they still had a lot of intrigue between the tribes and the different people they were meeting and the different things they were doing. And there was still a story in there. There was still a fantasy story in there. So I was thinking that same kind of thing. Like if you took that historical grounding and then threw it in your fantasy world to see what you, you know, to help your players experience something that you were really into also like it also kind of harkened back to um the idea that my dwarf in my campaign for seeking revenue wanted to build a mine and i didn't want to just do a copper gold or silver mine i wanted to do something interesting so i rolled on a elements chart of all kinds of different ores and things and i rolled cinnabar and then I was like, oh, Cinnabar. Well, I kind of under know what that is, but what does it really mean? So I did, I went into this big two-week-long history lesson of how people use Cinnabar, process it, <laughs> products that it's in. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I started putting that in the game, and I thought it was kind of fun. So it's mm -hmm. in the vein of that, which we've talked about before, but taking something that you just decided to, you know, the – the, the Kennedy assassination. Maybe you love watching every single one of those movies and you're all about the conspiracies and, you know, what happened, who did it, how did it all lead up to the way it did. Now imagine putting that in Waterdeep in some way with your characters where the, the main leader is doing a parade and then there's a death and you're part of the investigation and you're trying to figure out the different factions and who mm -hmm. wants them dead and who doesn't. Like, you can throw that in there and see how long they're like, oh, wait a minute, 
are we doing the Kennedy assassination? Yeah. Is that what's going on? So I just think that was, so that was my Bardic inspirations. Hopefully it inspires some of you out yeah. there. No, uh, um, do you, there's a, this is a, this is an urban legend about a, uh, like the men in black in the eighties and seventies would put this, uh, arcade game in various places across the United States called Polybius. Yeah. Yeah. And Polybius was designed to mind control people or something. Uh, and I've been wanting to do a kids on bikes game that like a long form one. I want to do not just a one shot, but I'd like to do like in, and, and by long form, yeah. I mean probably just like four or five sessions. Yeah. Slow. Play. But I yeah, like yeah. the idea of like, well, what is this Polybius? And, and cause it's just so cool and like so seventies and like the government's mm -hmm. out to get you and they want to mind control you. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, something like that, like Starfighter. Like an oh yes, last Starfighter, or maybe it is. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. they ha they finally hack Polybius, and all of a sudden they're on a planet. Like that could be cool too. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, every time you think of Cinnabar, or you say Cinnabar, I think of Pokemon because of Cinnabar Island. But that's just. Oh, okay. uh, I just want to say, there's probably others out there that are like, isn't that isn't that an island in that Pokemon franchise? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's really cool. My. Bardic Inspiration is about OpenD6. Uh, you can go to opend6project.org um, and all of the rules are there and it's really cool. Uh, and so you can use that as a reference. Um, it is part of the open game license so that other people can take it and hack it and do what you want. But what inspired this is uh, I was I did another podcast with a friend, uh, an old friend from back <gasps> in my theater days. Another um, podcast. Well, I was a guest on his podcast. Yes, that <laughs> happens. Uh, but uh, an old friend of mine and... He uh, was asking me about D&D &D and he said, now you started with fourth edition, but like, do you miss fourth edition? And I was like, no, I, I don't because all of the things that I liked about fourth edition, I've taken and used in my fifth edition games. Like I have skill challenges and I have, like I have the things that I liked about that system. So I don't think I need to go back and play it necessarily, you know? And I wonder if a lot of other people feel that way too. Like they like third edition or 3.5 or whatever, but like, I can, the things I liked about it, I can kind of do with this new system. So like, there's really mm -hmm. no reason to go back. But what I do miss is the like fine tune pushing battle grid sessions that we had. And so that's what I was thinking about is, is uh, I wanted to recreate some of that fighting. And that got me into thinking about like PVP as spellcasters and things like that. And literally like that would be cool to have a cool dice system where I could make secretly make a character and somebody else could secretly make a character. And then we could like fight together and, and summon pets and do all kinds of weird stuff. And I don't know if it's going to work out or not. Uh, but I will say if you guys are interested in this, eventually I'm going to solidify my rules and put them up on my uh, Patreon and stuff. And that'll be fun to share them and see if anybody wants to play test or things like that. Um, I've actually been doing some other interesting stuff with Patreon is I built a, a mime class for D&D 5th edition where I wanted to be, I wanted to have a class that could mimic uh, no, you didn't. other other <laughs> players. I thought that would be fun. Do we do not like that? Do they paint their face white though? And no. Do they, do they, are they trapped in boxes? I mean, what? that would be fun. Maybe, maybe there's armor. That, you're building a yeah. mimic class. Mimic what class. what you're saying. There you go. I gotcha. Same thing. <laughs> my. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of my bardic inspiration. It's what I've been working on. And it's been kind of, it's been fun to just like game develop. And speaking of game developing, I've been listening to a really good podcast called The Secret Seller. Mm. And The Secret Seller, okay. it's an, it's a, I think it's discontinued because their last episode was uh, August of 2020. So I'm not sure how 
how active it is. But the guy's really smart. He's a professor and he loves role-playing games. And specifically, the, the secret seller is about Invisible Sun. Um, oh, yeah. But it's not your typical, I don't know if there is a typical Invisible Sun podcast, but no. like uh, he basically it's about game design. And so he has like uh, the first episode, he has this game design friend on who makes video games and they talk about like what makes Invisible Sun different, but they're just kind of talking about game design in general and it's really interesting. And the second episode, he has uh, an author friend and they talk about like the importance of story and how do you build game design mechanics that support story. And so if you guys are interested, I I mean, I don't I don't really recommend a lot of other podcasts on this podcast, I guess, but like mm -hmm. I really do recommend The Secret Seller. It's really, it's really good. Um, you can go to cool. secretseller.zeros.bar. Um, and if you guys are interested in uh, The Invisible Sun, I would also recommend it. Um, Such a good concept for a game. And I still have not met anybody that's played it, but man. Yeah, so the only person I know it. is uh, uh, Grant Ellis. Um, oh yeah, Grant. I he think he it. plays it, and he's he's really into it too. And he's one of those guys where he's like, no, it's one of those like it might be the most important RPG in my life, but <laughs> I don't actively run it or play. You know, because it's it's right. I, it's weird. It's uh, but one of the things that I thought was interesting, we'll go. Well, I'll say this, and then we can move on to the games we're playing. But um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is Monty Cook made Invisible Sun, and he made mm -hmm. uh, the Cypher system, or Numenera. Numenera is very simple. You know, the DM rolls no dice, you only roll a d20, everything is designed to allow the DM, the game master I should say, allow the game master to perpetuate the story, and then the players roll to see what happens, and then the, and then, you know, the game master bounces back. But it's not like, oh, let me as the game master roll a bunch of hits and stuff. Like, the players roll everything. And that's designed on purpose to keep a story moving and to keep the, the simplicity of it. So mm -hmm. he was like, it's interesting how you have somebody who clearly knows how to make a simplistic game, but then made a very overly complex game. And what was <laughs> the design purpose or choice behind that? And I was driving and I was just like, what, what, you're right. And it just blew my mind because I never thought about it like that. Like Monty mm -hmm. Cook's a smart guy. Like he knows how to make a simple game, but he actively wanted to make something that was very complex. And then if it's that complex, what, what, why? You're, you, are you, cause you, in, in a way you're almost alienating sales. Cause people mm -hmm. are gonna be like, well, A, it's very expensive. And B, the cube. Uh, the cube, yeah, the black cube. Like A, it's a very expensive game, but B, uh, this is hard to get into. And I was even just like, what am I reading? Yeah, you know, yeah, tarot cards. Takes you a long time to get through it. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm so intrigued by it. And yeah. I, I really love the world and I want to play a game in it so bad. So, <laughs> uh, so the, the, yeah, the secret seller is totally uh, ramping up my love of Invisible Sun again. Uh, nice. I would, and I found a great one shot and I need to, and it has pre-printed characters and everything. And I need to just get some friends over and be like, I don't know if I'm playing this correctly, but we're going to try it out and just, <laughs> and then if people are interested, we could do that actually. And I could try it online too, because there are uh, some online uh, resources that Monty Cook invented or mm -hmm. provided because he's like, well, people are going to try and play this online. So yeah. uh, anyway, uh, we've got four minutes. What are you, what are you playing? What's going on in the uh, gaming world, Lucian? Dungeon of the Mad Mage, still Dungeon and Dragoning. Uh, we're been on the. Third are you level. dragoning your feet and not getting we through are. the mage fast enough? 
we are. We've getting through the mage, Skullport. getting through the dungeon. Sorry. We've been in Skullport for uh, quite a bit, and it was a first time we had a session with no fighting in a while. Um, we've been a very heavy combat hit everything yeah. that we come across kind of group. And this was a full couple hour session of just talking to people in town or trying to do some things. But it also <laughs> felt a little bit like um, DM roadblocks in some ways. Like oh. you're like, oh, you would hear you'd hear about a rumor or something here. But when you try to follow up on it, you would never be able to get any more information or you wouldn't be able to convince anybody to tell you mm -hmm. anything more than the one little blurb they gave you. And that's an interesting blurb, but why can't I learn more about it? Why Why does it feel like every time I try to find out more, there's a fence in front of me? <laughs> hmm. like, you know, so I thought that was kind of funny. That was just a feeling I was getting during the session. And I, I to the point where the group finally just kind of decided, well, let's just leave Skullport because we're not really getting anywhere. We're not making any progress. Let's right. just go. You know, let's go back to dungeon delving. So I, I don't know if he, uh, I, I want to ask Danimal at some point, um, if that was intended or mm. if he didn't know it was happening when he was doing it, like in his mind, it all made perfect sense, but didn't realize the way we were viewing it was, well, we keep getting this, no, that door's locked. You can't go through that right. door. You have to go do something else. And, you know, and we didn't know what else we could do then all of a sudden, because now we're all thrown off. So that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see where we go. That's our Tuesday night game that we play quite a bit. And, um, I'm hoping we're getting to our next level here pretty soon because I want to get to that level two cleric because <laughs> uh, then I can get that that divinity, you know, channel. Divinity. Yeah, channel divinity. It's where it's at. Then I spent a lot of my week because right after our session last week, if you watched last week's Saturday morning D&D show, Jordan was super excited about a cyberpunk game. We talked a lot about yeah. it. So then I spent the rest of the day devising what would I do if I wanted to run Jordan <laughs> through a cyberpunk game. So I spent the whole day writing i got one, my full one note is where i do all my campaign prep now and i just like started creating this game based on the storyline of altered carbon from the netflix show and i thought oh, okay. well he hasn't watched it so that's he true. won't know that it's that's going on it's written by fantastic writers i don't have to even do any of the work of what's going on and i thought this would be kind of cool so i had him roll some characters character stats and i started creating the thing and i was using the carbon 2185 rpg which is a 5e-ish based game that you can play as a cyberpunk game yeah and uh it was interesting it really got the the juices flowing it was fun to do a prep i didn't quite get enough of it finished i still don't know if i'm quite close enough but it was interesting thinking through and I wanted it to be a one-on-one -on -one session where it was just going to be one DM, one player. Um, and it was going to be like, you wake up in a world, you don't know what's kind of going on. There's a mystery going on. It could be easy to be a one shot kind of thing to introduce you to the world of altered carbon. Which mm. was did you, did you see in our Saturday morning D and D show discord, somebody Dungeoneers pack posted that there's a, yeah, you can get it free. Yeah, I, I that's what I wanted to point out. Like, you can get yeah. you can get the Carbon twenty one eighty five Cyberpunk PDF free. So website, uh, this one, right? Yeah, here. go go get it. I got it this morning, um, yeah. and I was going to go through it because yeah, it's free for the weekend. I guess for you mm -hmm. know they want to everybody pick it up. And I stuff. think I I have it written down. I don't know when it'll happen, but one of these days, I think I'll run Jordan through this idea I've got. Right. Of, uh, of you know a two or three hour session of the altered carbon world using this rule set and let him experience cyberpunk you know 
in, in a role playing game, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah, that so that's what fun. I had kind of done, and I like thought it. it was fun. Hopefully, I get it done. We'll see. You know how things go. You start working on something. Then yeah, no, something else I, happens. Well, <laughs> I've got twelve jillion projects. That's crazy. So. <laughs> yeah, that started. But what about Jordan? You've got like no minutes left yeah. to tell us. But did did Rod of Seven Parts end? No, uh, we, oh, okay. we. I was kind of thinking it was going to end, but. Uh, the more we were exploring, I was like, yeah, it's just not the right, it's not the right final thing. But uh, we did end with uh, them finding the last rod fragment. They attached it to the rod. It's now the rod of law. It is all together. Um, and the minute they did that, Miska the wolf spider uh, appeared. And they were smart because they know Miska's a demon. So he created a magic circle around themselves and they attached the last fraud fragment within that circle. So when Miska appeared, he can't get to them. Like he he's, you know, he's blocked out because of their magic circle. So uh, it's, that's fun. Uh, and then we, we ended there and I'll just say like, I, I really didn't think that I role played it well. I was like, I don't know what I thought Miska was supposed to be. Cause in my mind, he's kind of a force of nature, but like, uh, but I don't know. So the fight will be really, really cool. I don't mm -hmm. know if, uh, I, I don't know. I'm curious as to what's going to happen and then where they go after this. So, um, again, there will not be, uh, I, I'm sorry about my game prep series on Twitch, uh, but just with family and stuff, I haven't been able to do it. And so I will not be doing that again tomorrow. Uh, but I think this, uh, Wednesday is going to be the final episode. So if you are curious, Tune you should in. come hang out and see yeah. who lives and dies and uh, the the fate of the Rod of Seven Parts, the Rod of Law. I, I got there just as you guys were ending. Oh, <laughs> really? Like, oh, no, I just, because I had just remembered it. I'd been playing Diablo 3 and I was ranking up my character uh. <laughs> and trying to get it going. And then I was like, oh, no, Jordan's playing. I'm going to go over there and have that plan. And then you guys were wrapping up. I was like, oh, no, yeah. I missed yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 8.30 Eastern. So, yeah, yeah, come hang out on Nerd Immersion's channel. No, and uh, it's fun. I've actually been making, um, they're over there. That's why I gestured. But I've been making uh, some little Christmas packages um, oh, for nice. my players because I was like, wow, this is, we're, like, finishing this game. This is kind of cool. And, like, uh, <laughs> Rod of Seven Parts. I read this way back when I was still playing fourth edition and just thought it was the coolest story and like running around collecting these rod fragments. Like I just thought it was really fun. So I'm very happy that I was finally able to play it. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, I got it out of my system. Like I just, you know, like do you ever have those modules that you're just thinking yes. about constantly and you're like, Oh my gosh. And so now I'm like, it's done. I yeah. don't have to bring this up anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> the rod of seven yeah. parts is over with. And, and I have How like How many episodes others. has it been so far? Uh, this will be 32. Um, so yeah, yeah, 32 sessions to get this 32 weeks down. of D&D, &D. yeah. Nice. Uh, and they're about two hour sessions, sometimes two and a half hours. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's just casual and it's a lot of fun and I've been really enjoying it. My players are great, so. Uh, I, I will miss them. We, we're talking about doing some more, so we'll see if they keep those same characters, if somebody else wants to DM. But regardless, I think we're going to take most of December off and then meet back up in uh, January, February of 2021 and start a game there. So just to have some time cool. off, because I need to focus on YouTube for a little bit, uh, make some more videos and things like that. But yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. 
thank you so much for joining us live. Uh, I now have more stuff to read, so I'm gonna check out this open legend, the open source RPG that you guys recommended, so thank you very much. Um, please uh, like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. They can listen on anchor.fm. If you literally just search uh, Saturday Morning D&D Show, you will find us. Uh, we love your reviews on all of those things, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all things like that. So we really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, uh, happy the end of November. And we will see you next week in December, um, December. for our just Christmas spectacular. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. We yeah, got nothing build up to it. <laughs> 12 um, yeah. days of Christmas D&D. &D. No, yeah, the, the, the three <laughs> weeks of Christmas D&D &D or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week and uh, stay safe and be awesome. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.